0: you may be around the world and thank you for your company once again on truth to you that's truth number two lettyu.org it is time for a brand new series entitled kingdom chronicles joining me is my very good friend and co-host of both the israel on my mind program on uh, israel news talk radio and the tanakh tour of israel also with rabbi toby Singer. he is a vice president of united israel world union the website is unitedisrael.org. welcome back to truth to you, Ross Nichols. Hey, Jono, how are you tonight? I'm really excited. I, I tell you, I tell you why. I'm I'm really excited because we haven't done. I mean, you and I have been recording for years now for Israel News Talk Radio on the Israel on My Mind show, and that's been great. Right. And that's just. I mean, that program is you and I. You know, having a, a sort of a fun look at current events, things that are going on in it's Israel. A
1: totally, it's a totally different.
0: Yeah, it's totally different than what we're doing here. It's absolutely totally different. It's absolutely different. And I and and you and I have. Well, I haven't. Ventured back into biblical topics for a while. It's been a while since we've done a series on Truth to You, and I'm really uh, excited to be doing it with you, and particularly on this topic. And I'll tell you why. You know, we Truth to You has historically been Torah focused. We've done enormous, as you know, Torah Pills, enormously uh, popular programs. Uh, with, with Rabbi Toby Singer and, and Jason of uh, spiritual babies and uh, you know it, it, this this part of the Bible that we're about to get into, the monarchy uh, yep. that is recorded throughout the Tanakh, I'm not so familiar with as I should be and I know that you've done an enormous amount of uh, study in this in this particular topic. You and I over the last couple of years uh, have had many, many hours long conversations. I mean, uh, dear listeners, some, sometimes I, I've, <laughs> Ross and I have been talking for like four hours on Skype. And those, uh, are
1: some good, those are some good discussions. We've actually joked that that's what we ought to put out and let people listen to, is is some of our Bible conversations that we've had just impromptu. Ex-
0: exactly that, because uh, this is what we're passionate about. This, this, and, and so this is this really what we want to do for you, dear listeners, is just bring some of those conversations to your listening pleasure. So here we are. Kingdom Chronicles. Where to begin, Ross? Where to begin?
1: I, You know, I, I wanted to say one other word about this program. Uh, first of all, I'm honored to be on Truth To You for this series. Uh, I just think it's an incredible opportunity. Like you said, you've put out some home runs, as we would say, on Truth To You over the years. And this is something that allows you and I to collaborate on the Hebrew Bible, basically dealing with the heart of biblical history. I mean, mm. if you look, I mean, we can get into debating dates. I mean, you know how many books I have in front of me right now that, that are chronology books, you know, and, and some argue tooth and nail over this year, or this year, or this reignal year of this king. We're going to get into some of that, and and we'll open that up to our listeners. We'll probably be interested to uh, argue their favorite years. But roughly, we're talking about more than 500 years uh, right in the middle of the biblical period. And we're talking about primarily material that comes from Samuel and Kings and Chronicles. And, you know, this—I love the stories that are contained in these books Mm -hmm. as much as I like anything that I've ever read— it's fascinating. There's murder, there's intrigue, there's warfare, all the good family wholesome material that you can <laughs> squeeze between the pages, right? This <laughs> is this is the best of the best. And and I think that you and I we've had conversations about what we could do as far as topics and and we keep coming back to this. So we really need to do this. So we could call this season 1 episode 1 the Kingdom Chronicles. I say we jump right in, Jonah. What All about right. you?
0: Well, I agree. Now, many many people will be thinking, well, obviously the place to begin is in the Torah in Deuteronomy chapter 17, but I don't want to do that. And it will become obvious why we're not going to do that. We will we will get to it eventually, but that's not
1: really the place to start, is it, Ross? Where, where should we I, begin? I, I'm with you, Jonah. I think that uh, although I know why people would go there, what I would prefer to do is we want to pick things up where there is a natural transition from the judges to the kings, from the period known as the judges to the kings, and that's going to put us in 1 Samuel chapter 8. I think we could start there and suit our listeners best because we want to develop uh, in this first episode we want to develop what it, you know—the beginning of the monarchy. Let's call mm-hmm. it. What happened at point where they transitioned from the judges to the kings? Why did they do it? What what led to that? And and ultimately, how does that play out? So right. I, I say we start in First Samuel eight. Let's begin there. Let's talk about it, and I think everyone will understand why we're doing it in this order as we unveil it.
0: Here we go. So First uh, Samuel chapter 8, verse 1, it begins by saying, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judge over Israel. Uh, the name of his firstborn was Yoel, and the name of his second was Abiyah. Uh, mm-hmm. They were judges in Beersheba. There you go. Uh, right. But his sons did not walk in his ways, and they turned aside after dishonest gain and took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders... Of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel uh, came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, "Look, you're old,
1: dude. You're just uh, so." I love I love how they start that off real tactfully.
0: Yeah, you're, you're
1: you've grown old, and and, okay,
0: and your sons do not walk in your. It kind of sounds like Joe Biden, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> He's old, and, and his son doesn't walk in his ways. There's some problems uh, there. <laughs> Let's not get into that now. <laughs> and so they said, "Now make us a king to
2: judge
1: us like all the nations, Ross." Hmm. Well, I, I think this is a phrase that we want people to remember. so if people mark their Bible or if they take notes, we want to take note of this phrase like other nations. Now we're not going to go there yet, but okay. we're going to talk about this but but like so many other stories in the Bible, uh, if we go back to the Torah, we have Aaron and his sons. remember uh, they didn't follow his ways. they you know they, there was a problem there. And so many times in Scripture we see this. This is the case here. The Mm. people are approaching Samuel and say, you know what, Uh, we need something different here. And they're looking around them in the ancient Near East, plenty of kings, and we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But uh, ultimately, they want to be like the other nations. Just um, uh, uh, for a point, um,
0: earlier in Samuel, Eli uh, the high priest also had um, similar issues. His sons were, were exactly you know, corrupt and uh, that brought about the downfall of his family. But I'll continue on. It says that the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me that I should reign over them according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day uh, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Uh, Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you know, you, you shall solemnly forewarn them uh, right. And and show them the behavior of the king who will reign
1: over them. Notice the emphasis. Notice what uh, the Lord says. You, they have rejected me. Now this is this is a point that we're going to make throughout this program um, in this first episode because this is key. Now now keep going, Jonah. Let's yeah. get the warning that he gave the people.
0: There's there's definitely
1: questions there,
0: um, which we will get to. Uh, and, and try and reconcile different passages in the in the Torah. Okay, so Samuel, this is verse uh, 10, is it? Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king, and he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. Here we go. Mm-hmm. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. Uh, yep. Some will run before his chariots. Uh, he will appoint uh, captains over his thousands and capt- captains over his 50s. Uh, some to plough his ground and reap his harvest, uh, some to make weapons of war and a- equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters as perfumers, cooks, bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves and give them to his servants. Uh, he will give a Man. tenth. I know a tenth of your grain and your your vintage and give it to his officers and, and servants. Uh, he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your your donkeys and put them to work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and, uh, and you will be his servants. Uh, you will cry out in that day because you're a king whom you have chosen for yourselves uh, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. All right. All right. Hang on, Jono.
1: Now, listen, if you were in that crowd and you heard that, can you imagine saying yep that's what we're looking for. Yeah, no, so,
0: so okay so I mean, I mean this is Well they've gone, they've gone they've obviously gone to to Samuel because they recognize him as an authority figure and they've said to him you are the authority that that uh, shall appoint us a king. This is something for you to do. We need a king to to rule over us. Uh, he's taken that to, to mm-hmm. God God said, yeah, dude don't be so upset. It's not you that rejected, they have rejected me. Look if they want it, if they're asking for it, you can give it to them and say they can have it, but just let them know this is what's going to happen, uh, you know, when, right. when they do that. Uh, and so it says, in, yeah, I wouldn't be putting up my, I'd, I'd be like, yeah, okay, since you put it that way, um, what's, yeah. what's your, what's your alternative? You're right. Yeah, you're right. right. <laughs> what else should we do? What's what's plan B? So um, verse 19, nevertheless, Ross, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, uh, and they said, no, but we will have a king over us. Uh, so that we mm-hmm. may be like again, so that we may be like all the nations, uh, and that our king may judge us and go out before us mm-hmm. and fight our battles. So Samuel yeah. heard the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, "Okay, so heed that heed that voice, make them a king." And Samuel said to the to the uh, men of Israel, "Every man." go to his own city. Unbelievable. And this is the beginning
1: of the monarchy. The people go to Samuel. They say, look, you're old. Your sons aren't uh, walking like you walked. We want a king like the nations who's going to go out. Notice the emphasis on war. Uh, we want someone who will go out before us and come in and fight our battles. Mm-hmm. He gives them the warning. You know, Jehovah tells him, listen, tell the people, uh, basically tell Samuel, they've not rejected you, they've rejected me. You can give them what they're asking for, but warn them. So he does, they still take it. Now look, I want to get a couple more passages in on this idea of of this rejection of God. This is, this is a major point. Now we're going to get into the, the monarchy from the united monarchy, the divided monarchy. We'll talk about all of that. But I want people to understand the institution and the initiation of the monarchy begins on this foot. It's a rejection of God according mm. to the biblical writer. This is, this is a big point. Is it, is it
2: premature to mention the elephant in the room at this point? What's the elephant in the room? Well, Deuteronomy chapter
1: 17. It is too early. It is too early. early. I think. I think it is. Yeah. Where would you like me to go? Okay. I tell you, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. Mm -hmm. I want to drill this point home just a little bit more and and go to verse 17. Sure. And and let's just look at 17 through 19.
0: Okay. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 17, and on. Mm -hmm. on Okay. Uh, Then Samuel called the people together uh, to the Lord at Mitzpah and said to the children of Israel, thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt and delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all the kingdoms and from those who oppress you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have now said to him, no, set a
2: king
1: over us. So again, again, you've rejected Jehovah, you've rejected the Lord that brought you out of Egypt, delivered you. Because you said, notice the association is very, very clear. There's no ambiguity here. In declaring that you want a king like the nations, you've rejected me because God is the king. Mm -hmm. And and this is the major point. Look, go, let's keep rolling on this just to really drill this point home. Go to 1 Samuel 12, and I just, let me read the first two verses. Then Samuel said to all Israel, I have yielded to you in all that you ask of me and have set a king over you henceforth the king will be your leader. And then from verse 3 as you work through Samuel begins to he's he's basically on his way out the the period of the judges is is now over mm-hmm. he's he's stepping down he's telling them here's what you've chosen you asked for it, you got it. Here's your king. Right. And then he goes through and he starts talking a little bit about the history and how God delivered them successfully. I think the point is without a king. And then then notice, Jonah, look at, let's pick up at verse 12 and read to verse 19. Mm-hmm. When you saw that
0: Nahash, king of the Amorites, came against you, And you said to me, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. Mm -hmm. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord but re- rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now, therefore, stand to see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not uh, the wheat harvest? I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great which mm. you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking for a king for yourselves. Mm,
2: man, oh, okay. that, that,
1: that's, that's very strong language. Yeah, I keep going, but that, the wickedness
2: of asking for a king. Drives it home repeatedly, right? It, it really,
0: really stresses this point. Okay, so verse 18, so Samuel called to the Lord, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And the people, came, the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die, for we have added to our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Oy. Yeah, I, I tell you, I
1: I think that the reason I wanted to focus on this part is is because what we are seeing in in First Samuel chapter eight, chapter ten, chapter twelve, what we're beginning to see, I think, pretty clearly, is that there is an accommodation made. In other words, the monarchy was not the ideal. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? It certainly seems to be the case. It seems that what the text is telling us, what the scriptures are saying, is that although a king is permitted a king is allowed that was not the intent in fact not only was it not the intent it's viewed as a rejection of the kingdom of god if you will mm-hmm. the, the 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 monarchy of god is being rejected here in fact here uh, it's it's even declared to be wickedness and and so samuel has to intercede now tell you one of the things that Uh, we brought up early on when we first started reading in 1 Samuel 8 is this idea that their desire is to be like the nations. So what I'd like to do, and I know we've got to go to a break in a minute, but what I'd like to do is begin to unpack that a little bit, Jonah. Talk a little bit about what the Bible says in terms of the kings uh, of the nations, Okay, because this is what they're desiring. So when we get back from the break, I think we'll just jump right in and talk about uh, the kings in the ancient Near East. That's
0: exactly what we we will be doing straight after these messages, dear listeners. Stick around. We'll be right back. Another thing, we were talking, you and I, Xavier. we were talking to uh, uh, Ross Nichols earlier in the week. We are so excited. Why are we excited, my friend?
3: Because we're going to be going on a tour through the Bible, and we're going to walk literally in the footsteps of where the prophets preached. We're going we're, this coming November, with the help of God, uh, we're going on a tour of folks from around the world coming together in the Holy Land to explore the state, the land of Israel through scriptures. Bring your Bibles with you because we're going to the holiest places on earth. We're coming. We're going to explore and probe the places where heaven touched earth. Nothing makes your Bible come to life, does it? Nothing makes your Bible come to life like walking
0: through the land and being where it happened.
3: You know, I'll say this. I'll say this to you, the listener who's never been to Israel. That prepare yourself because you will not be the same person when mm. you leave. That means realize that when you get on that flight from wherever you're coming from, whether you're coming from Melbourne or you're coming from New York, realize that when you when you return back to that airport, uh, you will be a different person. So that mm-hmm. old you will be the last. A vestige of it because the transition the transfer the the complete spiritual transition that occurs when you step foot in the Holy Land will be something remarkable and it will be
0: life-changing without a doubt it's going it's very exciting you can get the details on truth to org go to the website and you'll see Israel tour just click on that and the necessary details are there my friend and we are so excited Ross is very excited it's November you've got plenty of time folks but you need to there's only limited seats available so you need to secure your place with a deposit and the details are there. Welcome back to you, listeners, to Truth To You. We're doing the new, brand new series, Kingdom Chronicles, with Ross Nichols. Glad to have you back on the program, my friend. And we went to the break talking about, uh, well, establishing the facts as it is repeated so many times in 1 Samuel, that the request for a king uh, is described as wickedness. It's not according to the original plan. It's a rejection of God as king over them. And yet they persisted and said, yeah, but... Samuel's old Oh we want a king Just give us a king That's right um, we, want like we want to be like the nations We want to be like the nations God said to Samuel Fine If that's what they want You can do it But tell them This is what it's going to You know it's, This is what a king is going to do And it's not pretty And they said No we want it We want it Anyway So um, the, the beginning of the monarchy As you pointed out It begins right here a king like the nations. Let's elaborate on that, Ross.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is important. Now, one thing that you ought to, that all of our listeners probably know from reading their Bible, is that you, you notice something in as early as Genesis chapter 14 that the other nations do in fact have this leader that is known in Hebrew as Melech. It's translated typically as king. It's the most common word that is translated from Hebrew into English uh, as king, Melech. And and so if, if you do a search in the Hebrew Bible, what you'll find is that that is a very common word and it's one of the things that that drove us to do this program because there's so much in biblical literature about the the king and kingdoms. So the thing that I wanted to bring up is that if you begin to look, for instance, in Genesis chapter 14, there are all these kings. Remember, all these kings who go to battle. Um, in fact, I'll open up to that in Genesis 14, because this is the first occurrence of uh, the word king in the Bible, oh, truly okay. uh, Genesis chapter 14. Uh, and it begins talking about these kings. And if people started in verse one, they would read about 10 kings and they're all battling one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these kings, uh, let me give you this. This is interesting that by the time you get to look at verse 17, uh, when he returned from defeat him, Uh, Defeating uh, Kedor laomer and the kings with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shaveh, which is the valley of the king. There's even a valley of the Mm. king. This is, you know, it's it's very prominent throughout the Hebrew Bible. All of these different groups have kings. And of course, when you get to verse 18, you meet this figure. And King Melchizedek of Salem uh, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest Mm -hmm. of God Most High. Now, I think that we're going to do a program specifically on Melchizedek later in our series. Because so much, think about this, Jonah, so much is made of this figure uh, I grew up uh, in a Baptist church in the south, and we, we pronounced that differently than I just did. We called uh, this guy Melchizedek, okay. Melchizedek, yeah. but that's just, you know, but but it's Melchizedek. Now, notice that the first part of his name, Melchi, uh, that in Hebrew is associated with this root word, malach, to mm-hmm. rule, from which we get malach. Now, um, but I, I do want to do a program on Melchizedek later because he's only mentioned here and in Psalm 110 in, Psalm. Yep. in, in the Hebrew Bible. Now, mm-hmm. of course, you know, the, the scrolls and uh, early Christian writings made a whole lot more out of mm-hmm. this figure, uh, but that, that'd be a fun class in and of yeah. itself. But one thing that I wanted to get to, if if anyone studies the ancient Near East and and really digs into monarchy on a broader scale than Israel, uh, you're going to see that there is just uh, plenty of material. I want to go to Genesis 36, Jono, and uh, read verse 31. Let's start. Let's just read that one verse and talk about it, I think.
0: Now there were the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king
1: reigned over the children of Israel. Now, this is an interesting passage to me. Does anything sound strange about that to you, just on, on the surface? On the surface, no. Because the way that it's written, this is um, put forward, according to traditionalist as... Moses is writing, you know, the view. Moses wrote the entire Torah from Genesis Mm -hmm. chapter 1, verse 1 through Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse 12. Right, I'm
0: with you. So why would he be saying before any king reigned in the uh, children of Israel? I mean, that didn't happen until Samuel. Okay, so keep going.
1: That's right. So this is what we call an anachronism. Anachronist, uh, an anachronistic phrase means to suggest that it's out of place in order or sequence of time. So now, look, we're not getting into the fullness of what that could possibly be, but think about it. So before any king reigned over Israel, this was a big question. Even in the Talmud and and in Jewish literature, there are big debates over this passage. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, Ibn Ezra uh, weighs in on this, as do others, Uh, because, you know, if you think about it, you're like, well, how's he talking about kings in Israel? Because there is no monarchy yet. Uh, So anyway, that in and of itself, the monarchy isn't going to be established until, let's say, 1085, 1086 BCE. Now, the Exodus, uh, the departure of the children of Israel, again, we're getting into chronology that people debate quite frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, But let's say it's 1450 BCE. Um, So let's say that the Torah is written during the Exodus period. We're talking about quite a bit of time, several hundred years before Israel will even uh, demand a king like the nations. So, uh, what do you think about that?
0: Oh, it's fascinating. That that really is interesting. It does raise questions. Is this a, a scribal update? That's a very fair question. The thing that's sort of taken my my attention is the very next verse. Bela, uh-huh. the son of Beor, reigned in Edom. So this is the first king that they're talking about, um, uh-huh. and it just pops into my head because Bela is the the. Hebrew name of William, my son, uh, and ah. Bella is also the firstborn. I think the firstborn son of Benjamin, if I rem- remember correctly. Okay. But anyway, that's okay. that's there. So here's a list of the kings of
1: Edom, right? Right, and and there are even some who look at this list and say, you know, it's interesting. This list of Edomite kings extends well beyond the time when traditionalists ascribe a date for the completion of the Torah. So that too. I think we'll get into a class, as you know, Jonah. I'm writing a book right now, yeah, and uh, and I really weigh into this uh, because my book is uh, titled, at least my working title is "The Hand of Moses." Mm. In other words, finding what Moses wrote. Is it the traditional view? Is it what the academics suggest? Uh, but but those kind of points will come up, and I'm sure we'll draw some fire and. Maybe excite
0: a few people. Yeah, well, listen, just while we're on, before we get off that topic, um, yeah, Ross has been writing this book over the last year, is that fair enough? Yeah. Again, you and I have had very long, fascinating conversations about this particular topic that you are studying and writing about right now. I can't wait until the book is finished. We will certainly let you know, dear listeners, when when it's available for purchase, and I would highly recommend you get it. I haven't been this excited about uh, a Bible topic for a very long time. And this particular book that you're writing, I'm, as I mentioned, very eager to have a hard copy of that. We'll let you know when it happens. So listen, let yeah, me ask
1: I, I'm Yeah, I'm excited about
0: it too, by the way. Go ahead. It's awesome. Let me ask you a question while we're talking about the kings. So a king like the nations, and we're talking about the Edomite kings and surrounding kings in the, uh, in the Near East and, and whatnot... I, yep. Would it be fair, then, if we were to define uh, the word, are we talking about a sovereign, or is it something a little bit more than that? Go, go a little bit further with the question. Well, I'm not, it, uh, what, I'm, what I mean is to define a king in the context of uh, of surrounding nations, okay, around the land right. of Canaan, are we talking about um, someone who was appointed as a sovereign over the people? I mean, we see that in uh, Samuel, God refers to... Uh, this individual as a commander of the armies but right th- it's also uh is it fair to say that the, the surrounding nations that uh the kingship is um nepotistic is that the word that i would use it it goes from from father to son from father to son and so on and so forth but also there's a a how do i say this a a sense of the of the of the divine imparted to this individual,
1: yeah, I think I think as we get into the subject matter of of the kings and really fully develop this idea, you know, we get traces of uh, coronation hymns and so forth in the Psalms, and a lot of academics have tied those and associated them with uh, very similar literature that's found in other cultures in the ancient Near East. So there there are these ideas that are floating around. Um, now, some would say that when we encounter these kings in the early chapters, let's say the patriarchal period, uh, Genesis 14, you know, all the way through uh, where, for instance, where the patriarchs meet people like Avi Melech and right. uh, are, are these... Do we picture these like you know? A lot of times when you say king, you have this picture of someone who has a palace and a throne and a crown of gold. Um, are are they more like chieftains? You know, they're mm. they're smaller. Uh, you know, I think it depends. I, but I do think there are similarities from nation to nation. But this ancient idea that you brought up, Jono, I think is a key. Who is going to lead us out? And fight our battles
2: and bring us in. Is and and you believe that that's specifically what
1: uh, what Israel is asking for when they approached Samuel? I think that is the main part. They I, I, well, I think part of the problem is they want to be like the nations, which we're going to fully explore. But the idea uh, they make it very clear in First Samuel twelve. Look, we want someone who will lead us out, fight our battles, and bring us in. That's one of the things I think they're looking for.
0: Let me ask you this question, though, because I've heard this often, and perhaps it's not grounded uh, within the text, uh, that perhaps what they were asking for was a demigod like the nations had as their kings, because that was often the case, particularly in Egypt,
1: right? Okay. So you're thinking it might even tie in more with the religio-social, and not just... Uh, like I, I a leader wonder, for battle, I hmm. wonder. Well,
0: well, I mean, you know that that seems to be when, when you like I said, um, Egypt. We know that that was certainly the case that there was a an imparting of um, a divine authority, uh, a godlike right. status to a king. Do you think that that was something? And 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 in doing so, that that was a rejection of God as well. Is is there anything within the in the
1: text that we could pin? to that? That is a very interesting question. I've always seen it, especially as you read the stories. Now, remember, we're reading the stories from the Hebrew standpoint, and and the writers of the Hebrew Bible, at least off the top of my head, don't necessarily make a major association with the uh, the leaders of the other nations representing themselves in that fashion, mm-hmm. outside of perhaps Egypt, as you brought up. But there is a true tendency uh, of these kings uh, to be leaders of battles. In fact, we're going to, as we unpack all these various kings of the Israelite monarchy, uh, we're going to see some of these guys are out there fighting in the front
2: of
0: the battles, mm, right? Mm, absolutely. Let me, let me yeah. ask you another question. This may be going uh, down a rabbit trail, but just while we're here and talking about this, the emphasis of the the quote-unquote Messiah, uh, In I mean, we see it in Christianity and we see it in Judaism. Mm-hmm. Uh, there seems to be an overemphasis that isn't represented in the text, the, the entire body of the Tanakh. And do you think that that overemphasis, that that um, uh, excessive focus, if you like, that 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 overexpectation, I, I would even say, uh, is represented, or is, is it could be could be pinpointed to this? Uh, chapter in uh, first, uh, first Samuel
1: chapter 8? Oh, I'll tell you what. I think there's a direct correlation. In fact, by the end of this program, I think we're even going to touch that very ever so slightly. But I do think, you know, everybody thinks about when they associate uh, the idea of the Messiah um, quite often the Messiah is equated with the monarchy he's a king he's a righteous king a descendant of David and so forth uh, We're real early in the program though I do want to get to that and I do think that there is some uh, uh, some association there um, okay. but. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we'll get to that. Look, I wanted to, if we can jump into just a little bit here, um, you know, as, as the patriarchs are moving around, Jono, mm-hmm. and, and it ties to your comment about the Messiah. I thought about it when you said that. Look at Psalm 105, verse 14. Now, I, I just want to read verse 14 and 15. Uh, actually, I'll back up to verse 12. Psalm 105, 12. They were then, speaking of the children of Israel... Few in number, a mere handful, sojourning there, wandering from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another. He allowed no one to oppress them. He reproved kings on their account. Get this do not touch my anointed ones, do not harm my prophets. Now, Mm -hmm. in this particular text, not only do we know from the patriarchal narratives as the children of Israel in the early stages were wandering from nation to nation, few in number, um, but there is a rebuking that God does on behalf of his people Mm -hmm. to these kings of the nations. Now, notice this, this word here, my translation, I'm reading from the JPS, touch not my anointed ones. Now, in the Hebrew, that's the word for Messiah, mm-hmm. and, and it is being applied not to a redemptive, salvific role of some eschatological figure who comes right. from the heavens on the clouds— right. But it's, it's to a people. Very interesting, a different way to look at it. Right. Uh, but, so we'll get into that. But I wanted to get to something because I know people um, probably have an answer for this question. If I ask the question, Jono, of our listeners, who is the first king of Israel? The first king in Israel. What do you think they would say? I would expect people to
2: very quickly say that the first king of, of Israel is Saul, Shaul. I, I would I would think that
1: too, but you and I had a conversation the other night and I started thinking about it. Um we talked about the period of the judges mm-hmm. in the time of Gideon. Let's go there. Judges chapter eight, verse let's say yeah, shall we
0: go to twenty two? That's perfect. That's perfect. All right. Okay. So this is what it says. Uh it says, Then the men of Israel said to Gideon, Gideon, Rule over us, both you and your son and your grandson. Also, you have uh, delivered us from... So there, there's the nepotism right there. You, your uh-huh. son, your grandson, from forevermore, your descendant will rule over us. Uh, you delivered us from the hand of Mijan. Everyone knows that. Uh, that's an awesome story. But Gideon it said is. to them, he said, uh, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you. Uh, the Lord shall rule over you. Okay, so he's he's I got. I love that. It's beautiful, right? Then Gideon uh-huh. said to them, "Yeah, but you know what? I, I'll make a request of you that each of you would give me the gold earrings uh, from his his plunder." Uh, so they answered, "We will give gladly." And so they spread out the garment, and they threw it all in there, and and what did he do with it? He made a. He made an uh, a gold effort. Is that what he did? Yeah,
2: and
1: and and that leads him astray. But look, this is this is really important. You nailed it going to this particular passage. Notice already. Now this is before we get to where we were a little while ago. Mm-hmm. But already the people are beginning to ask. Now in in Hebrew they're saying we want someone. The root word there is mashal to govern us to mm-hmm. rule over us. But they're asking, as you said, for a dynastic, um, you know, you, your sons, your grand. We're going to we want your family to be that basically like these other nations. And notice again, the emphasis on going out and fighting for us, because in context, Gideon, who's also known as uh, Jerubbaal, Mm -hmm. um, he his story is. He he. One of the chiefs at the time, he's one of the chief enemies is Midian, and he's just come back from bringing victory. And that that story of Gideon uh, starts in chapter six, verse one, and runs to eight twenty-eight right. in Judges. Yep. Now, the thing that I want to get to is. Um, his response is right on, a very strong monotheistic, uh, you know, I'm not going to do that. The Lord is the one who rules over. So he's got it right. Now, he, Gideon uh, has 70 sons. So, is you going to so, say something? Well, mm-hmm. I
0: say, he, he has got it right, but he, he also sees that there's a gain to be made while, while they're offering, and that's uh, something that uh, slowly leads them astray. We see that in verse 33, oh, I think yeah, it was, as yeah. soon as Gideon was dead... Um, the children of Israel, again, played the harlot with the Baals and made Baal mm. Berit, their, their god, and so on and so forth. But before we get there, uh, yeah, you're quite right. Gideon had 70 sons who were his own offspring, and he had many wives. And uh, his concubine, who was – a she was in Shechem, also bore him a son. And what was his name? Avimelech. What does it mean? Uh, my father is king. Yeah. Right? Now, this is – look, so, I, I love this because, by the way, on the Tanakh tour that we do every year – uh, the last couple of years we've been, and we will be doing this again this year we go to Elon Moray, which overlooks Shechem right and our uh, illustrious it. tour guide Goshan tells this story and uh, and what transpires here and it really is an incredible experience but continue we've got a couple of minutes
1: yeah so Avi Melek um, goes to Shechem and he he makes this offer he said look you want to re- be ruled by 70 or by one. And, and of course, they choose him to be their leader. He then kills all of Gideon's sons with mm-hmm. the exception of one by the name of Yotam. Now, Yotam uh, gets away because he's in hiding while this massacre is going on. And what I wanted to get to before we close episode one mm-hmm. is that there is contained in this story what I call the earliest parable in biblical literature, and it has to do with the subject of the king. so let's go to judges
0: chapter nine that's that's really interesting okay, so this is the earliest par- I never thought of it this way before, but that's fair enough. Judges chapter nine and it begins. Let's start in verse seven shall we uh yep when they told when they told Yo uh, he he went and stood atop of Mount Gerizim. Oh boy, mm-hmm. the wine that we the, the vineyard. Anyway, I can't talk about that now. That's um, right. nope. <laughs> and lifted his voice <laughs> and cried out, and he said to them, "Listen to me, you men of Shechem, that God may listen to you." The trees once went forth to appoint a king over them, and they said to the olive tree, "Reign over us." But the olive tree said to them, "Should I cease giving my oil, which with which they honor God and, and men?" to go and sway over the trees. And then the trees went to the fig tree and said, hey, you come and reign over us. But the fig tree said to them, should I cease my sweetness and my good fruit and go and sway over the trees? And then the trees went to the vine and, and said, hey, wh- what about you? You come and reign over us. And the vine said to them, should I cease with my new wine, which cheers both God and men, and go and sway over that there's, that. there's that wine, Jonah, by the way. Yeah, now, go ahead. There's the wine. And go and sway over the – boy, that was really good wine. We're going We're going back there. Uh, when all the trees uh, – then then all the trees went to the bramble, right? What's What's a bramble? A bramble. I always think of just this uh,
2: uh thorny, uh, yucky bush. It's just Go a ahead. Thor- yeah, it's just yeah. a thorny
0: bush. It's not good for much, uh, in- except for kindling. Uh, you come and reign over us, and the bramble said to the trees, well, if in truth you, you anoint me as king over you, then uh, come and take shelter in my shade. Now, a bramble, a thorn bush doesn't have much shade, and you don't want to be under it. But in any case... Uh, but if not, the, the bramble continues, let fire come out from the bramble and devour the cedars of
1: Lebanon, Ross. Beautiful. Yes. So this is, as I said, the first parable in biblical literature. Yotam gives this outstanding speech. And one of the things that I wanted to point out, John, it goes back to a point that you brought up earlier. This is... The first text in the prophets section of the Bible mm. where the word mashach, the root word of anoint, comes into the text, right? So in other words, in the Torah, anytime we're talking about a Mashiach, if you will, the only time it's used, it's never used with a king, it's only used in association with a priest. In fact, Leviticus 4, I often tell my students that Leviticus 4 is the most anointed passage in all of the Torah. Why is that? Because there it says so many times, HaKohen HaMashiach. Now, that doesn't mean the Messiah, as you might think. You, it, it really is saying the priest who is the anointed one, mm-hmm. right? But it's always a priest. It's mentioned four times or five times in Leviticus 4. And it's not associated with a king. But here, for the first time in this prophet section of the Bible, we get the, the root word Mashach. And it's it's here dealing with the monarchy. And his point is, Jono, look, I'm a bramble. But, uh, you know, all these others that you offered the kingdom to, they didn't want it. But if you want me to be the king, I think this is a remarkable picture of what the biblical writers are trying to tell us, Jono, mm-hmm. that that is the kind of person, generally, who is going to step up and raise their hand for that role. Because what we've seen so far in this episode 1, dealing with 1 Samuel eight, ten, twelve, 10, uh, this par- parable in Judges 9... It is that the monarchy, the writers of the Bible are presenting a polemic mm. that the monarchy is a rejection of God as king, mm-hmm. that it was evil to ask for and that ultimately to do so is not only wicked, it's them in a bad place where they are like. The nation, something that Israel is not supposed to do. So, I feel like I want to uh,
0: just read these key verses that um, Yotam says. After this, it says, "Now, therefore, if you have acted in truth and sincerity in making Avimelech king, and you have dealt uh, and you have dealt well with uh, Yerubaal uh, Gideon and uh, and his house, and have done to him as he deserves, for my father fought for you, risking his mm-hmm. life and delivered." You out of the hand of the Midian, out of of Midian, but you have raised up against my father's house this day and killed 70 sons on the stone and made Avimelech, the son of his female servant, king Mm. over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother. And basically, what he's saying is, look, you've, you've, You've rejected the quality. You've gone to the last resort. Someone who is uh, not necessarily, you know, he, he's not quality. And, and if you mess with him, he's going to mess with you and it's going to backfire, which is exactly what happened. And in verse 22, it says, after Abimelech had reigned over Israel three years, God mm-hmm. sent a spirit of ill will to be uh, between yep. Avimelech and the men of Shechem. So you can read about that. It's a fascinating story. But there is, I mean, I think, I think that's very, very fair that he's the first king of sorts uh, of Israel. What do you think? I think so,
2: too.
1: And I think he he, uh, he doesn't get the credit for it, but hey, give credit where credit's due. It is, in effect, the first uh, anointing of a king. I think this is mm. something we need to explore more in another uh, discussion. We but will, I tell you, yeah. it's the warning—the warning that he gives here, that Yotam gives—is very similar in some ways to the warning that uh, Shmuel gives over in First Samuel.
0: That is all the time that we have for this segment, and you're going to have to wait, dear listeners, because uh, until next week. And I know that everyone is on the edge of the seat, going, "But Deuteronomy chapter 17."
2: Yeah. gonna have to wait (laughs) yeah
0: you gotta wait you gotta wait thank you for joining us we'll be back this time again next week and until then well I'll tell you what read up read up and uh, we'll be there soon enough
1: thank you Ross hey yeah tell everybody about the program this is gonna get really fun and exciting you think Game of Thrones is something (laughs) we're talking about the original except this is no game this is real life
0: UnitedIsrael.org, UnitedIsrael.org is the website of United Israel World Union, of which Ross
1: is a vice president. What's happening there, Ross? i tell you, Jono, the most exciting things are going on at United Israel, chief of which is that every Saturday morning, every Shabbat at 10.30 mm-hmm. a.m. Central Standard Time in the States. Now, I almost can tell you what time that is in Australia, but it's not as comfortable for you. To join me Saturday morning at ten thirty a.m. Central Standard Time. But you record Time. it; I get I get to watch the recording every morning. That's right. When yeah. you get up, you drink your coffee. You, you get to watch it. But what we do is every Saturday morning at ten thirty, I teach for about an hour uh, of whatever topic I feel uh, inspired to teach on. And and after the uh, the teaching, we take a break here at my local assembly. We eat a lovely lunch with my friends, and then we go back live. Now, this is on Facebook, on the United Israel Facebook page, and it's also live-streamed on YouTube. And as you said, Jono, for those fine friends in other parts of the world that just the timing doesn't work out, these are archived on our website, on YouTube, and our Facebook page. So I just want to invite people to join us, United Israel.
0: (sighs) Coming up this November, dear listeners, the Tanakh Tour, the annual Tanakh Tour, with myself, Ross Nichols, and Rabbi Tovia Singer. If you want to join us, you can. They better do it quick. quick. You better do it quick. Jump on it quick. Really, really quick. Uh, There's a couple of places left, and we would love to have you join us, dear listeners. Simply go to truthtoyou.org. There's space left on the Tanakh Tour. We would love for you to come with us.
1: And who wouldn't want to go, Jono? Think about it. Being in Israel for nine days with you, me... Rabbi Singer, oh my goodness, we're talking Bible, we're seeing the sights. Literally you're walking out the pages of the Bible. Who wouldn't want to do that?